Come along, children. Now we're going to have a little music, like old time. Hey, what's going on, guys? We're in here right now on the Why Is It Like That podcast. Um, we decided to do a live stream. We heard a lot of feedback of uh, people wanted to see the emotions on our faces, how we looked. How would we do this, um, the setup and everything, and uh, so we brought it to you. We're going to have the podcast recorded and put on our regular channel, but at the same time, we decided to do a, a live stream here also. So once again, it's me, uh, Trey Trevino. I'm here with... Heath Garcia, what's up? And uh, today we're going to be discussing uh, triggers, what triggers you um, to get into those certain moods or those certain aspects of life where you don't want to talk to nobody, you're shaking, you go sweats, you wake up in the middle of the night with sweats, whatever it may be, today we're going to be talking on triggers. Hey man, so check this out, right? <clears throat> I want to start this out by doing a little bit of moment of silence for all the uh, soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, civilians, all those affected by PTSD, uh, suicide, attempted suicide, domestic violence, all of that. So let's get a little, little uh, moment. All right, so now we're talking about triggers. <clears throat> Man, I'm triggered right now. I'm on, on this camera. <laughs> um, so to make this realistic, right, I got to tell you about one of mine. So this is about some road construction. I got in the, uh, in the truck going to work one morning, right? And we had some, uh, uh, some roundabout construction going on. And uh, it was like clockwork every day. You know, you pull up to the, to the construction workers, right? And they have the little stop signs and they're like flipping them back and forth. So one line of traffic goes, then the other line of traffic goes, et cetera, et cetera, right? So usually they wait for cars to stack up like five, six, you know what I mean? Yeah. Seven cars and then let you go by. Well, on this particular morning, I happen to be like the only guy that pulls up and it's a big old dump truck in front of me. So when I pull up, the lady's standing there with a stop sign and you know, she's smiling and everything. I'm like, all right, you know. And she flips this sign, says go. So the truck goes, and then I start to go, and then all of a sudden, she flips that that some bitch back to stop. Ah. Man, I like locked up. Like my hands got sweaty. You know what I mean? I started getting like real sweaty in the face, and I just something was going through my head, and all I kept thinking about was one word. It was like ambush, ambush, ambush. And I kept looking around because there's high ground on the right. You know what I mean? You can't see what's on the left. And you got all these weird people. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, why am, I, why am I locked up right now? So I had to go sit in the office and think about it. And what it came down to was a lot of the places in Afghanistan when you're doing convoys, you know, that was one of their tactics was they would divert convoys or they'd mm -hmm. try to block off roads or something like that and get you to go down a different route where they have an IED place or something oh. like that and you get yeah, hit, right? Yeah. So that in itself, just that one little thing is a trigger, right? Just that one little thing. Um, so what is a trigger? What's the definition of a trigger? According to psych med, right, if you look that up, um, just to give you some downright verbiage, it says something that kicks up an old memory or uh, something that uh, we've re referred to as a trigger is a stimulus. So a stimulus being your for sight, right, your hearing, your speech, or touch, right, sound touch, okay? So your four primary senses. Now, if we want to talk about sight, let's talk about what can trigger you out of sight. So you got resemblance, um, either something that you've been through traumatically or even like in the same household as somebody, right, that's been traumatically abused or anything like that, parents, siblings, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, it doesn't matter. Um, that in itself, just being able to to see like maybe a certain person that's going through something and you could tell it on their face or or you could see how they're acting around certain people like the behaviors are doing that sight is a stimulus in itself because it reminds you of your past right um also um objects like in a room like say for those that have been abused by dad or mom or whatever and they're alcoholics or drug addicts just the sight of an alcohol bottle or somebody drinking or somebody doing drugs or, you know, anything like that can 
actually trigger somebody that's been through a situation, a very traumatic childhood or even adulthood, all right? Um, objects that are associated um, with the trauma. So say you were threatened with a knife or you were shot at or something like that, just looking at certain weapons or, or you know what I mean? Certain, like a bat, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a weapon at all. It could be something else, um, knife, whatever, it can trigger you uh, back into that memory. Um, and places, places is a big one. Like I told you, I was yeah. triggered. There were several triggers going on with me when I, when I got stopped at that thing because it's just the place resembled a, a similar situation to where I've been in to where it just really jacked me up. And I mean, there's certain there's, there's so many different stimuluses there. You know what I mean? With the sight, there was no, of course, the, the smell, not really, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? But the sight itself and then the sounds, things like that, you know what I mean? So the brake sounds of the trucks and stuff like that um, potentially probably caught me off guard a little bit too. And I could probably speak for Melanie on that one because whenever we're away from the hospital, she's fine. She doesn't, you know, she's not on edge. Her heart beats fine, you know, all that type of good stuff. When we go to the hospital and they take her vitals, they're like, man, honey, your, your, uh, your pulse is really up there, huh? And it's always when she goes to the hospital. She says, it's just hospitals. Once, once I show up, because, you know, they're picking her, you know, the surgeries, getting bad news. It's just, it's a good place for us because they help her, but it's a bad place because it's, it's just, you know. Absolutely. The bad yeah. stuff that goes on there at the same time. So I, I've noticed that with her when she gets there, she turns to a different person. And everything just starts spiking in her. So, hmm. exactly with them triggers. So, what else can, I mean, can we look at that that's triggering? Uh, we talk about smell, right? You know, it's funny is I lost the majority of my sense of smell through chemical-like type inhalation, downrange from burn pits and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, I can't really smell a lot of things. But it's amazing that I can still smell certain things, so like gunpowder. If there's a hint of gunpowder in the air, it don't matter. I can smell it. And it's pretty scary because that in itself triggers me, right? Yeah. And I can't escape it. I can escape, like, the smell of cut grass. Like, I cut the grass today, and, and uh, one of the neighbors walked past me like, man, you know, I love the smell of cut grass, and, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, I can't smell it, but, you know, I'm glad you like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But just certain things like that. I mean, fire, like, burnt, and this is going to sound crazy. Like I said, this this is like all out there you know we're, we're, we're kind of but like burnt flesh or rotting flesh has a certain particular smell to it you know what i mean and if there's anything that resembles any any bit of that i'll smell it you know what i mean and like burnt hair oh yeah like man. burnt oh, hair you know that's yeah. pretty common that'd probably be something that you could pick up right off the bat oh yeah yeah most definitely is there you know we got some viewers in there right now um put some triggers that y'all got we could talk about if you feel comfortable just put drop them in the comments below and we'll uh we can speak about them that's why it's a live uh a live stream we want to interact with y'all so we can make this like if y'all were just here sitting at the table with us right now i know we got hey what's up jerry cousin rosie my brother marco's in here as well hey what's going on oh mike's on there what's going on mike so yeah, we're getting, you know, like like uh, Trey's saying, throw out them comments out there and, and, and let's talk about what you want to talk about. That's what this is about, to help you guys out there. Um, I mean, I was just going to tell you, Trey, that this is really great. You know what I mean? I had no clue what was going going down, but this is, <laughs> you know, this is pretty neat. Um, but the whole objective out there is to reach, you know, I said that before I, you know, before I came in, is to reach one person out there who's going to reach one person out there and that just spreads and multiplies you know what i mean and, and and at the end of the day if we're if we're helping to save a life or help somebody get help with any of this stuff that's that's what it's here for you know what i mean we're, we're trying to get that word out there um sound man let's talk about some sound stuff so wonderful holiday i love you all you know for fourth of july <laughs> independence day right but on those days, I have to like seriously almost put in ear pro yeah. and knock myself out. You know what I mean? With my, uh, my uh, anxiety medication or something, because when those things go off, it's like if I can't see it and I can hear it, 
it's, it messes with me. It's funny if I if I if I do it myself, you know, and, and pop a firework or something, I know it's coming. I guess so. It's like it doesn't really mess with me. But so let me ask you, Heath. Um, what's up? So what's one thing you could tell the listeners that's helped you, or you might help somebody, whenever you have these triggers? So I've I've learned a lot of things. Um, man, I was real bad before I before I got help. Um, so I think self-awareness is big and, and is key when you're triggered. That's the first thing you got to do is have self-awareness where you're at. Um, they taught me the old countdown method. You know, they're like countdown from five to one. Then look at three things that are like a certain color. You know, you pick the color like blue. You know what I mean? You, you pick them out. You know what I mean? And then it just kind of brings a self-awareness back to where you are at in the room so you're not like somewhere else projected out there but you know where you're at and then start your deep breathing you know what i mean it's all about mindness and and i and a lot of this stuff now a lot of this treatment stuff especially what i went through and uh there's a couple that are watching that have went through it too um is talking about mindfulness and wellness how to take yourself and put yourself in the current mindset you know what i mean instead of being out there and allowing yourself to just thought, just your thoughts go back to your past and all them traumatic events. It's more long of pulling you back in to where you're at now. Make sense? No, it, it perfectly does. Yeah. Because like some of y'all know, I uh, reached out on a limb and I started doing hypnotherapy, which is, you know, it's not your usual going in there and talking to somebody or taking medicine or any of that. And I was kind of leery about it. I was said, you know, Ain't nobody going to put me to sleep and make me do some things and move me around and all that. But during the hypnotherapy, they just put you in such a relaxed state. You go down real deep in your mind about stuff, and they talk to you on what's going on. Do you feel it? So all that stuff, um, sight, smell, sound, touch, all those things, they get you so in your mind about a memory that you have that you're there. And what they try to get you to do is be in that moment and then tell it that it's going to be all right. You ended up all right out of that. You're here, you're alive now, everything is well. And so that's what they try to get you to see is that everything is good. So live in the now, live here right now. I know like me with anxiety, what triggers me is just the future. I start thinking about the future. I I overthink things and think this is gonna happen, this and this and this and this is gonna happen. I know it's gonna happen because it always does. And I don't ever live right here. Like right here, what are we doing? We're live streaming, having a good time. None's going on. Life is good. So we have to focus on the present, the here and now, not yesterday, not tomorrow, just right now, for me at least. So I got a couple comments. So okay. um, so one from uh, Lula. How you doing out there, by the way? Thanks for What's tuning in. What's going on? Um, she says, something that I didn't realize before treatment was that a trigger didn't have to bring up the memory in my mind. A trigger could put my body back in the situation without me realizing it. Heart racing, anxiety, hand sweating, stuff like that. Seems obvious now, but before I thought a trigger meant something that put me into a full-blown flashback. Very good point. Yeah. Very good point. Um, like like you said, it makes your body react a certain you know a certain way. And sometimes, like when I was sitting there in that driver's seat, you know what I mean, and my hands were sweaty, like you were talking about. And I just got this this cold feeling over me, and I and I kind of just kind of lost train of thought, and I didn't know where I was at. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Thank you, Lula. Um, Jerry, so he says, hi, by the way. What's up, Jerry? Hey, say, uh, so it says, say you do have a type of mental health uh, issue but don't want to take medication for it. What alternatives can you do for that? You know, Jerry, it depends on how you feel about how you can control it. I'm just going to speak from personal experience because I can't talk about anybody else. Obviously, our own experiences are our own experiences. Um, I went for a long time from 2003 to 2000 and about 14 without taking any medications or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I knew that there was something a little bit off about me, but I kind of pushed it away. And that's basically because of stigmas and things like that for my own reasons. Um, I didn't know how bad it was though, until I actually went and started seeking therapy after I was critically like wounded, you know, and had, had my, my pretty much my leg blown off. Um, everything caught up with me in a, in a flash and we're just doing a little camera adjustment real quick. Yeah, so don't mind the bobbling, but, um, 
like I said, man, it's all about you. I had it. I noticed that when I take medications, certain medications work and certain didn't for me. Um, and that's all about trial and error too. You know, if you think you can manage it without medication, I strongly agree. You know what I mean? I strongly agree to take that approach if you can, but always have that self-reflection like mirror, like back here, like your outer, outer body looking in on yourself saying, Hey, how am I doing right now? You know what I mean? In certain situations, um, definitely do things out of the house. Kind of like take yourself out of your normal. Uh, don't isolate. Isolation is a huge thing with guys and girls with PTSD. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that almost everybody could attest to that, that they've isolated at some point, um, either out of fear, excuse me, out of fear because they don't want to get, you know, uh, they don't want to be in that situation in the first place, or they don't want to make anybody feel bad, or they don't want to give off the wrong impression. They don't want to look crazy, et cetera. So watch isolation. That's a big one. Uh, don't do activities that will put you into those type of situations to where you get traumatized or, or you go back into those triggers. Like um, if you're coming back from post-war and then uh, say you were a corpsman or something like that or a doc, right? I don't think it's very smart of you to go out and seek un employment as like an EMT or something. You know what I mean? Because you're constantly going to be reliving that that traumatic event over and over and over again. You have to kind of, like me as a, as a police officer, you know, in law enforcement, military side anyway, it's like I can't even operate in my own element anymore. I had to remove myself from that element. It hurts. You know, it sucks. But I'm also knowing that I'm living my better life for it. Um, and thanks for that question. You know what I mean? I, I'm on. Well, you know me, Jerry. I mean, I've been on medication for, I don't know, about a year and a half. And at the beginning, I was all excited. Like, oh, I'm going to get on something that's going to fix me. Now I don't think it just fixes you. You know what I mean? you gotta, you got to really talk to your feelings big time. So I started trying to wean off. And then I ended up going towards alcohol. That was my alternative to medication. I said, man, I'm just going to drink, and it feels good, and it's going to go away. Like, that was my biggest thing. I've talked to him about it. A lot of my friends know. My wife, everybody knows um and i'm taking steps to clear that but one thing that i've noticed and it ain't nothing but against aa i did aa and one thing that i noticed and i talked to my hypnotherapist about it is every day you're white knuckling it to not drink when it comes to that but you're never facing the issue of why you do drink so if you're not going to take medication and you don't feel like you should like me i'm trying to get off of it i'm on lexapro it's an ssra and it scares the shit out of me because of the effects and the black box warning that it has on there saying what it can and cannot do to you. Um, and I just feel like it's kind of made me numb with a lot of things. Things that I should probably feel a lot of emotion towards, it just numbs it. So all I, I think with me, it's just a big old blanket they put on it, but the, that feeling or that memory or whatever you have inside is still there. So for me, I would say dig deep and really find out what the issue is that's causing this and try to mediate it, whether it's talking to your friends, talking to your spouse, your parents. If you're comfortable, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or like me, I mean, I went way out on a limb and did hypnotherapy, which not everybody would be comfortable doing, but that's what I did. So <clears throat> going back on that lines of therapy, um, back in, in 2011, uh, when I came back from Afghanistan, I went to Yakuska, Japan, and, and my wife and I, we went through marriage counseling. We, we started attending it together because, you know, we felt like a disconnect between us. And um, mainly, you know, out of all this therapy and all, you know, all these lessons, it's, it was the disconnect was with me. Um, but when we were sitting there together, it was funny, not funny, but funny. We were sitting there and uh, the therapist was looking at me and I was my wife was talking, you know, and then I talked and then right away she looked at me. And she says, you guys don't need therapy. And she looked like right at me and pointed. She's like, you need to be evaluated for PTSD. You need therapy. And I'm looking at her like, this chick told me I need therapy. You know what I mean? Like, hold on a minute. Like, you don't tell me I need therapy. You know, I, I'll tell you that I need therapy. But um, 
she was exactly right now the thing that threw me off though was when i went i went to this was when emdr was just starting up and um what's what's emdr so emdr is a processing therapy that uses so the 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 science behind it is when you live a traumatic event right or go through a traumatic event your brain doesn't it doesn't process it in the frontal cortex of your brain it processes it in the amygdala which is your fight flight or freeze cortex right and you basic you run on instinct so emdr forces you to go through that traumatic event and you have to relive it you have to talk about it and you have to you know regurgitate every detail you can everything but it puts it to be able to be processed like your like your computer brain is actually supposed to and it and it it really really takes a lot out of you and it and like I'll, I'll talk about my experience in a minute but that was just starting up so you could imagine when i went into the office in atsugi right and there was like only one therapist that could do it and i sat down and the first thing out of their mouth was like i need you to fill this questionnaire out and then you know do you suffer from this do you suffer from this and and right away it turned into like a science experiment you know that's the way i felt and i was like wait a minute i'm a I'm a goddamn patriot. You know what I mean? You know, now you're a guinea pig now. Yeah, yeah no, no. <laughs> right? I'm not, I'm not doing this. And anyways, I walked out of the office. I didn't even do one session. So here it comes, rolls around to 2017, right? And 2018, and this is like a year after, you know, I go through my, my treatment. And we'll talk about that stuff. And it's also on my blog too, if, you, if you're tuning into that. But um, then I go into inpatient therapy, which is a strong hope. And I did hours of EMDR. And let me tell you, the hours of EMDR that I put in drained me so bad to where I'd sleep about six to eight hours after each session. And I'm talking about good sleep. It wasn't, you know how you wake up at night and you're sweaty and, mm -hmm. and you like sleep off and on and sometimes you wake up in pain and things like that and you have messed up dreams, et cetera. No, I mean, I'd be out. And I think that that is the best move that I have done in a long time was EMDR. And therapy so Jerry I'll say this brother don't think that everything you can tackle on your own and if it's a really touchy subject or a touchy memory that that chokes you up and it still gets at you real bad and you feel really guilty for it or it can drive you to a coping mechanism like drinking uh, even pornography all that kind of stuff you know what I mean like all those negative behaviors uh, even you know chasing girls or chasing guys whatever you want you know what I mean for for women or what, whatever um this guy <laughs> um yeah that was kind of funny sorry <laughs> but uh definitely definitely seek therapy and go that route you always want somebody in your corner to be able to talk you into it to where you you get up to that level to where you're feeling that pain but you also want somebody to be able to bring you back down to where you understand what just happened if that makes sense that's good that's good so we're talking about therapy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and not a lot of people are going to it. And suicides are, it's real, it's happening. It happens here, it happens everywhere. Why does it keep happening? And the name of the show, why is it like that? Man, I feel like suicide is the ultimate way out. It's a temporary fix to a or it's a it's a permanent fix to a temporary problem you know what i mean um if you're in a dark spot that you feel like you cannot go through life anymore then i challenge you to bring that to somebody's attention and allow them to try to help you and work through your life um i don't i think that human nature we just like we don't want to burden each other with everybody else's no our yeah, stuff yeah, we don't want to yeah. we don't want to portray it even though we say to somebody's face we're like yeah man you know i'll tell you if i'm going through some things or whatever and we don't we don't you know it's it's pride you know we always talk about being humble right i've had tons of people that are like hey man i know everything that's going on with you and your wife how, how y'all doing and i'm like ah we're all right we're doing all right and that's we're not we just don't feel like getting into it at that certain time yeah, and, and another thing, too, is people ain't as, as stupid as we think they are. We might 
you know, we might say that like, hey, how you doing, bro? Well, I'm good. But it on your face, it says, dumbass, you're bad. You know, like right here on your face and, and you can't get away from it. You know, everybody knows and they're just waiting for you to, to reach out to them. You know, and sometimes people don't want it. The other part of it is sometimes people don't want to be intrusive. You know what I mean? I mean, in the service now, they're teaching, they're, they're finally putting that into perspective. Like, hey, you know, be intrusive with intrusive your people. Leadership. Yeah. You know, if you suspect one of your guys, you know, or your friends or whatever, loved ones, whatever, coming to that point, or you think they may be suicidal, then ask them, hey, you thinking about killing yourself today? You know, and be intrusive because the worst mistake you can make is not asking a question at all. And then guess what? Now you're hearing about it on the news, through your friends, through your family. You know what I mean? And then you've got those what if questions like, man, you know. All right, let's move on to another one right quick. What's the most common reason for people giving up? And why do we fail to seek help? and just bottle it in. I know we just kind of touched on that, but what do you think the most common reason is people that just give up, like after they go to the system, they go to their treatments, they go through everything and they still give up at the end. So one of the, one of the realest exercises I've ever done, it was called psychodrama. 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 I, remember, I think you were told me about that. Yeah, and it's a guy named Cam, you know what I mean, Cameron. And uh, real smart dude, and he kind of creeped me out at the same time because of how smart he was. You know what I mean? His real calm voice and everything. But one of the realest exercises he had me do was he put a chair like there where you're sitting and where I'm sitting, but he'd face them towards each other. And I'm looking at him. We're all looking at him because it's in a group setting. You know, we all share each other's secrets in there, you know, like dark, deepest, darkest secrets. So everybody knows everything about each other. And then he says, okay. So he picked me out. He's like, Heath, I want you to sit right here. So I came and I sat where I'm sitting. And then he picks out, you know, another one of my buddies. And he says, I want you to sit in the other seat. And he says, okay, Heath, so what I want you to do is I want you to say all the good things about yourself and be supportive of yourself. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm just, you know, about to blow my head up. Like, right? <laughs> this is cool. And then. He told my buddy, he's like, all right, so what you're going to do is you're going to take what he's saying and you're going to throw it back at him. And it's pretty much the man in the mirror type simulation, the ultimate man in the mirror, because the guy was actually talking back to me, you know, and, he, and I'm like, I'm a good person. You know, my friend didn't die because of anything I did. And he's like, no, you're a piece of shit. And he died because you did this. And I was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like I got like, mm -hmm. like I started getting tense and, and things like that, but that that in itself was just like a it's like the man in the mirror man that's what gets us is that man in the mirror the 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 one that says that no you're not worth it yeah you went through treatment you're on ssris or you you know you're taking your meds you're letting your family down you're hurting your kids you know you, your family would be better off without you this is why and it just kind of stacks on and stacks on and stacks that's, on that's so true man because that's I've been there before where I'm like, why am I I'm on meds? I got to go talk to people like this ain't even happening to me. This is happening to my wife. Like, why am I so weak? My family doesn't love me because I'm a piece of shit. You know, I was deep, deep in there. It's been recently have been deep in there and it's hard to crawl out of that space and say, I'm doing all right. Absolutely. I'm doing all right. Matter of fact, sometimes you can't even do it because you ax yourself so much. That everything positive you say you say about 10 negative things that's mm -hmm. just human nature to me i mean i could say i could say hey i'm a good father and at the same time i'm saying that like in the back of my head says well you didn't do this you didn't do this you didn't do that you did this 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 and this so you're fucked up yep and it's like okay <laughs> All right, throw guys, that give, thought. Us, <laughs> give us some more questions i see we got 10 people on the cast right now so uh pop on pop in some questions so we can get this uh more interactive going right now Quit making us do all the talking. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Marco? My brother. That's my brother right there. I see his, he had a senior project on uh, teenage suicide. I bet you that was intense. What was, uh, what'd you find on that project, Marco? If you're still on. 
I'll put a quick plug. Check out Heath's uh, blog. I've posted it on our page. It's pretty intense. It's about the story of him um, going and helping out a brother. And it goes sideways. Huh. Want to give it a little summary of that? or? Yeah, it went pretty, pretty sideways real fast. Um, so... I don't want to get too in depth with it, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Because I'll I'll kind of lock up. I'm still trying yeah, to write yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in the chief's mess, right, or in the service period, we always look out for one another. You know what I mean? You always look out for your brother or sister next to you. Um, and when I put on anchors, that was what I swore to do was to look after everybody that was with me. You know what I mean? Because that was what was put into me of course all that effort all that energy um was bestowed into me as a chief petty officer and i didn't want to let anybody down you know so um just coming out the gate i mean my blog kind of starts out from where i came out the gate as a chief and right off the bat you know um i i went right into that, that like adversity right off the bat you know like the the, the method of leadership that and the style that i was accustomed to was question um you know i wasn't supposed to be so personal or with my sailors but you know to me it was just me being me and and the same guy i was you know arming up and getting in a squad car and and and, and trying to be that that chief you know what i mean so it kind of pushed me out of the out of the you know out of the realm and, and gave me a started giving me a bitter taste in my mouth and then things started to get bittersweet you know I started uh come back around I started getting on my feet um and then I started running uh helping run seasons and things like that which is season is when we when we uh, accept you know chief petty officers into the mess uh they have to go of course and, and prove themselves and go through some training that that we hold and if they pass that training and, and they do good and they get the point of it all, they are accepted. Um, so I met my brother, you know, one of our brothers, Nick, um, through that training. And uh, right away I, I connected with him. And, and, and during the process, it's crazy because certain chiefs will latch on to you and you don't even, you're not even paying attention, but they're paying attention to you. And it's because they remind, you remind them of something about themselves. So they'll, they'll either seek you out to, to give you guidance or they'll, you know, um, they'll sign it, you know, of course they'll give you charges and their charge book and things like that, but they might get your anchor just so you have to come see them, things like that, you know, and it's a lot of tradition involved. And, um, I remember that I, I latched on to Nick because he had the same look in his eyes as I did. It was a stone cold, ruthless look, you know, and I don't mean to sound like, you know, but it was, it was ruthless, um, and dangerous, you know? So I, I got to talking to him and it and he was doing detainee operations in Iraq and I mean he's seen a lot of crap you know and we we kind of bonded through that uh, got to watch him walk through the the halls you know and get accepted by the fellow chiefs the brothers and then one night I got this phone call and I was on duty and um, it was my you know senior officer telling me hey do we do anything for this type of situation? And I was like, what is it? You know, and they were like, he's like, well, he's, dude's armed and he's a sailor and he's in his house threatening suicide. And police officers are out there, you know, um, and they got a cordon set up. And I was like, man, you know, we don't do anything. But I went out there, you know what I mean? I, I, I got the clearance too. Um, I actually got the clearance from the on-scene commander at the scene which was a civilian uh to go on you know because it was not our jurisdiction military we don't have jurisdiction outside the lines you know outside the blue line so when he allowed me to go in there i felt it was my chance to to actually do what i was sworn to do wearing an anchor you know and that was to save a brother save a life and quickly things definitely turned out like i didn't expect um, I say that I actually was overwhelmed when I first walked in. It's, it's not every day that you walk into a room. You're told to come in, you know, and you walk into this dark room and you have a, a rifle pointed at your chest and they tell you to take a seat, you know, tears in their eyes and they're all a mess. You sit down and they tell you to close the door and you're in pitch, you know, essentially pitch black with a gun pointed at me 
trying to talk this guy, telling him that he's worth it. And um, I talked to him for about three, four hours. I got him out, you know, I got him out um, with the help of a couple, another uh, master chief that showed up. That was his, you know, CMC. And then um, his psych doc came over, his flight surgeon. And uh, us three actually got him out of the house, but just, you know, things. And, and I don't want to spoil the rest of it because yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. writing about it, but things went totally south. And um, they didn't turn right out at all, you know, and, and I lost a leg for it. Um, my mind was totally destroyed from it, which put me in the situation that I was in where I had to go to inpatient therapy. And, I mean, I just wasn't myself. I remember seeing you in the hospital whenever me and Mel went to go visit you. You were... You were on, you know, you were good on them drugs, but <laughs> <laughs> I could tell there was something. There was something. So go check out that blog. It's it's pretty deep and intense. It goes more in detail, and the you know where he's at. He he gets in his mind on the on that blog pretty good. So um, Jerry, that's another plug for you, man. If you really want to some type of of uh, self relief, journal, man write it out i've got that practice going on now that you know what i mean I, i've been doing it through the blog but before uh when i was an inpatient i would journal every night like before i'd go to bed like anything i was thinking about i just get it down on paper and it helped me sleep better for some reason i think it was just because my mind had a, had put a close to it mm -hmm. for the night you know what i'm saying so it definitely helps um there's various activities out there biking uh body weight lifting it's it's proven that endorphins you know what i mean rush through the brain which causes the happy feeling that, that gets you out of those depressed moments um do some of that stuff hiking do what you want to do man if you hunt go hunt fishing fish you know what i mean listen to music play guitar do what you want to do to make yourself enjoy your life and get out of those moments of depression so belinda soto asked she's my mom by the way hey belinda nice to meet you <laughs> she said how long before heath got help So my wife told me this. Um, she said, when you came back from Iraq the first time, I didn't recognize you. And that was in 2003. So that was nearly 11 or 12 years before I actually got help. And the only reason why I got help, like I said, is because I came to that point to where I was just totally unrecognizable by my family. You know what I mean? I almost lost my marriage because of my own self-actions. You know, I was doing stupid stuff. Um, you know, chasing, chasing women oh, and things. I, Cause I, I was just, I know. you know, um, chasing the wrong things, not just doing that, but chasing the wrong things, period. Just for, just for, to yeah. To feel something, right? Exactly. To That's what it something. was. Cause I was just totally numb to everything. Um, I just felt like I didn't belong to, you know, and, and just to, just to be on that verge where I always told myself, I'll never kill myself. I'll never be on that verge and just. Looking back now at the point of where I've sat in a patrol car and put a gun to my head, you know, to the point of where I've sat in front of my safe with my weapons, you know, sitting on the table wondering, all right, do I got the guts to do it right now? You know, luckily I'm still here, you know, thank God. But that's how close it, it came, you know, and it happens like that. And I'm, I think I'm pretty strong minded, but nothing when it gets to a certain point, I think that honestly nothing can stop the inevitable if you let it get too the, far. The mind's a powerful place. Yeah, too powerful. You got a Lula. So Lula says, I wish I could repeat Kirsten, which she's a therapist of strong hope, um, her shame training. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much shame around medication, needing therapy, having PTSD, etc. Looking at where the shame is rooted from myself was in insanely eye-opening i gave up on treatment so many times because i was ashamed to need it in the first place and lula thank you for bringing up that word that is the qu quotation word of the day shame, shame right shame and that is true kirsten did harp on that a lot and the reason why she harps on shame is because shame puts us in a place to where we don't want to talk where we don't want to seek help where we think that we we can't get on medications just exactly what Lula said. Shame puts us in that place because we're ashamed to talk about the things that make us weak 
or the things that had power over us at one point in time. Um, I'm not like harping on my own horn here, but if you want to talk about any type of trauma or things like that, uh, or if you want, or you're asking yourself the question of how can I relate to you? Um, as a child, I was, I mean, I was beaten as a child. I was sexually assaulted as a child, you know, and as a teenager. Um, and thank God I can talk about it now because it was really hard to bring up. I went through a lot of stuff to get that out. Um, combat trauma, adult trauma, you name it. I've been through a lot. And just like many other people, um, like Mel and, and, and uh, BJ and a lot of other people, I mean, around. My wife, my wife too, some of the, man, some of the hardest trauma stories I've had to hear was from my wife. And some of it was me, but majority of it was her upbringing, like her, her stepfather, you know? So it's not all combat. No, not everything's absolutely combat not. related. It's just that's what's brought it yes. to, to focus. But there's so many variables that go into this. You don't yeah. have to be just in combat to get PTSD, anxiety, depression, all these things. So don't feel alone. Don't feel like, man, I'm not one of those guys, so I can't speak up. I, I, there's nothing wrong with me because I didn't see somebody get blown up. No. So. Yeah, it's not all just about combat. So my, my brother put a uh, teenagers are at the height of hormone levels, so everything's going crazy. Emotions are everywhere, and they turn to suicide. You're not in the, you're not in the right mindset when your hormones are going 100 miles per hour. Yep. That's true. I mean, look at, and, you know, hey, let me ask you a question, Marco. For teenage suicide, right, we, we, we put a plug in on the last podcast about social media and bullying and stuff like that right um since you did a report on that can you comment on anything about social media and its contribution like to suicide since the generation now kind of leans into that i mean i've had various talks you know with uh you know teenagers and um the biggest thing that seems to be going through their mind is their self-image and when their self-image is threatened, you know what I mean? I think that puts in, like you said, a lot of the hormone talk and stuff like that, that kind of puts those things into negative swing and can cause them to feel that way. I think there's so much stuff in this world that, that kind of just does not help the situation either. I mean, we're all, if you really think about it, we're all projected to, to live a certain image. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you look at magazine articles, you look at, I mean, they're all posed a certain way. They all look a certain way. They're all skinny and they're all, Wait, you know what I mean? You talk about uh, social media, like Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you all know, that, People man. putting filters and everything else, and that's what people think they have to look like. Yeah. You see your person, you see somebody in person, be like, well, you didn't look like that on the, on the pic you posted. It's true. And the same thing with social, social media, you can't escape it. As long as you got this phone attached to you, it's not like, before you go to school and get bullied or whatever, you can go home and escape it. I'll just go home, play video games or do whatever, go outside and play with my friends from my neighborhood. But this, it's constantly on there. Somebody post a pic about you or, or make a meme out of you. Then that stuff goes viral and you're that, that, you're that person. That person. Yeah. It's, you know. Yeah, it totally destroys. I think it's totally destroyed lives. It don't, I mean, it destroys lives, marriages, relationships, jobs. Yeah. <laughs> if you really think about it, we were, we, you know, we went through, through school at the time where there was no cell phones. No. You know what I mean? So we were like, the only time we got to talk was in your face, you know what I mean? Or, or on the actual telephone, you know, and that was our interaction. We didn't have to worry about our pictures getting posted up here or, you know what I mean? Somebody running their mouth there on social media. Now everybody at school is going to tease you and stuff like that. I mean, these are these are real topics that are out there that are in our face. And now we're in your face. You know what I mean? Talking about these topics because why is it like that? You know what I mean? It's real. It's real stuff. Let me see. We'll get a couple more and then we're going to have to end it. So Jerry came back and said, uh, so a question I usually get when we have training about this is how do you determine if you have a problem? <laughs> oh boy you know I think that's all comes down to 
if you notice something, I, and, and you got to go off other people too, Jerry. You can't just go off yourself because you're, you're yourself. You kind of like, I like to call it like metamorphosizing. You know what I mean? Like we metamorph into whoever we're going to turn into and we don't notice the change. Like I didn't notice the change about my voice. Like every time I talk, I thought I was talking normal. You know what I mean? And then my wife's like, why are you yelling? I'm like, I'm not yelling. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I am, you know? And I, I really up here didn't think I was yelling, you know? But you have to listen to those things. If you start seeing yourself alone with no friends or you see yourself like taking the time like where you're always constantly by yourself, you know what I mean? Always constantly having negative thoughts, different stuff like that. Maybe it's time to go ch like, hey, man, you need a, I need a head check, you know? Even if the head check's not from a, a shrink, get a head check from your spouse, get a head check from your dad, your mom, you know, who knows you better than those people and just be like, look, I need all honesty here. You know what I've been through. Give me a head check. Where am I at? Am I off? You know what I mean? And if they say, yeah, you might want to get some help, man. You know? Um, and don't be afraid to ask. That's the problem. We need to get rid of that stigma, the asking, the, the seeking the help. You know, even in the military, I mean, man, we're losing people left and right in the military for PTSD stuff, you know, just because they can't handle stuff. It's like, and it's not just them killing themselves. Don't get me wrong. There's also a lot of sailors, soldiers, airmen, and Marines that are getting separated for drinking too much excessively and getting in trouble. DUIs, um, getting a DUI and killing somebody else. I mean, there's certain things out there that are happening that are not just all suicide related that equivalent out to PTSD or trauma. The biggest coping mechanisms we have right now is drug use and drinking. The bottle. Those are the biggest things, man. And they're the biggest numbers that you can ever do, but they are also the ones that take away that one little, like, I, I it's like a, a hairline pin, you know what I mean? And they take that pin and they, they take it completely out of the equation. So now you don't know if you're good or you're bad. It's just like you're off and it makes it worse. It really doesn't help you. Yeah. Last one. Of course, my mom would ask this. She says, Heath, are you a church going guy? Um, absolutely. Um, and yes, my faith has a lot to do with my recovery. Um, I don't want to throw the faith out there, though, just because that's my personal story. Um, but yes, absolutely. Very God-fearing man. And I say that, and I also tell you that I almost pulled the trigger on a 9mm to my head. So no matter how God-fearing you are, uh, no matter how self-righteous you are, no matter how godly you may feel you think you are, nothing when it gets to that point, can stop suicide, but help, and serious help, professional help, a support system. All you have to do is ask. And we got those plugs. I mean, um, www.darknightdarkknightrizen0096.com. You go there, that's my blog site. Yes, of course, I'm going to promote it because I want that story to get out there so people can understand that I know where you're coming from and that they can also reach out for help. But I also want you to see that if you scroll down to the bottom, there's so many different resources I've posted up there already uh, with Suicide Helpline, uh, SAMHSA, which is an all one-stop shop type thing for help for treatment uh, abuse, like... Uh, um, narcotic abuse and drinking or alcohol abuse, um, suicide prevention, things like that. And then you also have different funds like the separate five fund that I've mentioned in there, uh, that I will give great plugs to all day long because they have helped me so much. Navy safe Harbor wounded warrior program, uh, big respect to those guys that they've kept me afloat for two and a half years now. And they have not let me go and they've stood by my side. AFW two, um, Brad Britt, the guy that runs that program, awesome, awesome guy. Um, and that was a humbling experience. And they have such good resources for airmen, uh, soldiers, sailors, and Marines that are out there right now. Uh, Veterans Crisis Helpline is also on my website. Uh, and 
and all you have to do is click on it. It sends you right to the web page. So it's all there for you. Please, like I said, my main plug tonight is I just want to reach one person out there and that one person can reach another person and that spreads like wildfire and hopefully we save a life tonight. I agree. All right, guys, appreciate y'all tuning in. Um, drop some comments still after this is done. Uh, give us some questions. Give us some more topics to talk about so we can uh, we can engage this and, and uh, put it in your face and uh, ask why is it like that. Um, check out the blog. Check out the resources. Um, this will be posted on uh, our Anchor FM podcast website, why is it like that, um, our Facebook page, and then I'll be posting this to YouTube as well. So. It could be out there for anybody and everybody if they need help or if they think that it's just them. It's not. They can see the people tuning in, the, the comments, us, everybody. We're in it together. Don't be alone. It's not just you. Uh, we can get through this. So. And we're and we're here to and we're here to stay. We're here to stay. This so. should prove it. We're not going anywhere. Please give us those those thoughts that you have. Those deep deep. I don't care how dark they are. Throw them out there. Be anonymous. That's fine. We ain't gonna put any names. No, you know anything like that over the air. We're just going to talk about the complex issues that come across and how us as non-therapists would handle it, you know what I mean, and, yeah. and are able to cope with it. You can send an email, like I said, if you don't want to drop a comment with your name on it and you just want us to know, we ain't going to tell nobody. If you send it to my to our email, it's whyisitlikethatpodcast at gmail.com, all together. Whyisitlikethatpodcast at gmail.com. So uh, just send it there and... Uh, We'll talk about it. We can get you there. We could just talk to you one on one. It don't have to be out there on social media or here podcast or anything. You shoot us an email. We can hit you up back. We can call you if you need help. Anything. Just yeah. hit one, any one of us up. Point you in the right direction for resources. Whatever you need. That's yeah. what we're here for. Come along, children. Save a life. Now we're gonna have a little music. All right, guys. Like old appreciate time. it. Thanks. All right.